0: Hey, guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week today. In just a little bit, I'm talking to Steve Dace. You've heard him on the podcast at least a couple times before. He is going to break down this bombshell report from a left-wing outlet called The Intercept about the funding of gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Lab in China and how possibly, probably, it's looking like uh, Dr. Fauci actually lied before Congress when he said that uh, th- he was not directing the funding of this kind of very dangerous research in Wuhan that very well could have led to to the coronavirus outbreak. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. It does kind of seem like the dam is breaking in some ways. And Steve Dace is going to break that all down. I do have a couple other things to talk about before we get to that conversation in regards to COVID. And look, I understand... I am sometimes tired of talking about COVID. We took a long break. We decided not to talk about, about COVID for several months because it just seems like there were other things going on and there was really nothing new to report. But now over the past few months, it's kind of gotten interesting again just because it We are seeing some people on the left side of the aisle start to question the mainstream narrative that this came from bat soup and that there was nothing that we could do to treat it. And the only people that we should be listening to are the bureaucrats at the NIH and the CDC who have never actually treated any patients, that Dr. Fauci can do no wrong, that the only thing that we can hang our hats on is the vaccine and everyone should absolutely be forced to get the vaccine, that young children are dying in droves. All of this we have been told to accept for a very long time. And if you question the mandates, if you bring up uh, freedom, personal liberty at all, if you bring up the economy, if you bring up other factors that maybe our politicians and representatives should consider when they are deciding on public policy, you are called an anti-vaxxer, you are called an anti-masker, you're called a conspiracy theorist who just wants old people to die. Never mind the fact that governors like Andrew Cuomo and other Democratic governors actually enforced policy that allowed... um, older elderly hospital patients who tested positive for coronavirus to be placed back into nursing homes before they actually recovered, spreading COVID and killing thousands of elderly people in New York and in other states where this happened. We had to ignore that. And instead, COVID and COVID policy has really just been used as a political tool to bludgeon half the country, or not even just conservatives. It's not just about your political affiliation, but really anyone who questions the mainstream dogma on all of this. You got censored a year ago if you were talking about, hey, maybe this was actually a lab leak from Wuhan. And now it's come out. Yeah, it was probably most likely a lab leak like this probably didn't happen naturally in nature. I mean, you got your YouTube videos taken down. You got kicked off Twitter. If you were talking about uh, the possibility of something other than natural origins being the start of. Of this disease, and you certainly have been written off as a kook if you are a doctor who is actually treating patients who have t- who has talked about any kind of therapeutic other than the vaccine. I mean, we are talking about doctors who I think are raising. Very legitimate questions asking, hang on, why are people in these bureaucratic entities at the NIH and the CDC dictating what doctors on the ground um, are doing rather than the other way around? Dr. Fauci has never actually treated a COVID patient. Shouldn't we be listening to... For example, these ICU doctors who are saying, OK, here's the protocol that I've actually used on patients that I've actually seen work. These are doctors who are certainly not anti-vaccine and they're probably not even anti-COVID vaccine, but they're just saying, hey, there are therapeutic options That have worked. I mean, we've seen such an assault on something like ivermectin. And like I said yesterday, I am not promoting ivermectin. I've never taken ivermectin. I have personally never recommended that someone with COVID take ivermectin. I'm not saying that. I'm not a doctor. I am not trying to tell you to get uh, medical advice from me. I am saying that there is a legitimate debate to be had around ivermectin and around other kind of therapeutics that is not being had. Instead, it is just being written off as exclusively horse paste or uh, dewormer in dogs and horses and is not considering that it actually has been, a form of ivermectin has been used on millions of people throughout the world, yes, to treat parasites, but some doctors, and again, I'm not even endorsing this. I'm just saying there are some doctors who have treated their patients with this, who have said, okay, yes, it is primarily an anti-parasite drug, but it also has these properties that are actually helping people recover from COVID. I'm just saying maybe we should also listen to people that have actually Treated people. I'm just saying, maybe we should have an open debate and people shouldn't be scared. Doctors on the ground who are treating their patients shouldn't be scared to come forward and say, here's my experience. Here's what I have done to try to save people's lives. Maybe those people shouldn't be censored. Like, maybe we should be allowed to listen to those people. Maybe their testimonies before Congress shouldn't be taken off YouTube. By who? Like, okay, I don't have medical expertise. I'm not pretending to, but neither do the people at YouTube. What do they know? And again, why is the CDC? dictating YouTube policy that is then dictating what you and I can hear from doctors who have actually treated patients with COVID. It doesn't make any sense until you see that not I'm not seeing all public health policy or all push for vaccines or all push for uh, all push for masks has to do with control. I'm not saying that's everyone's motivation who is pushing for those things. I am not, as I've said many times, I am not um, an anti-vaccine person. I'm not even in every single situation anti-wearing a mask. I am pro looking at the data. I am pro common sense. I am pro debate. I am pro listening to actual experts, not just bureaucrats. That's what I am pro. And yes, I am pro-liberty when it comes to um, a lot of the policies that just don't seem to align with actual mitigation of the spread of COVID, as we've talked about many times. And I am, I am, I will say, I am hopeful that maybe the dam is breaking in some ways. You know, we talked and have talked several times about how the science just does not support kids wearing masks. And the counter that I typically get to that is, well, kids can get COVID. Yes, kids can get COVID. Kids are less at risk of dying from COVID than the 40-year-old who has been fully vaccinated, as we talked about and cited our source um, on last week. Kids are still at very low risk. And still, you get the CDC coming out and saying, oh, you know, the the rate of deaths, pediatric deaths from COVID are much higher They say that, but then when you actually click on the link, they tweeted about this, and uh, Matt Walsh actually pointed this out, that, well, no, the rate isn't actually higher. The overall number is higher, but the rate itself isn't higher. That even with the Delta variant, we're not seeing kids get sicker than usual. What we are seeing is a surge of RSV. And so some kids, unfortunately, very sadly, are dying from RSV. RSV is much more serious statistically for young kids, especially infants under the age of six months uh, Six months than COVID is. Some of those kids are going to the hospital, going to the I- ICU and dying from RSV. They happen to be testing uh, positive for COVID. They could be be asymptomatic as far as COVID goes, but they're getting a serious case of RSV, and yet those kids are still counted as COVID cases. How do I know this? Because if you actually look at the statistics from the CDC on pediatric deaths, what you will see is that there have been a little over 400 kids who have died, their words, with COVID. So that means we don't know if they died of COVID, they just died. With COVID. And so all of these things are things to consider. And I am hopeful that, like I said, that the dam is breaking and that people are um, realizing that a lot of the policies that we have implemented in the US to try to, quote, mitigate the spread of COVID among kids is not actually founded in any real logic or data. That a lot of it has to do with control. A lot of it has to do with fear based reflexes. A lot of it has to do with teachers unions. We already know the teachers unions have dictated some of what the CDC has tried to set as policy. Uh, We are the only developed nation that I know of that requires kids to wear masks as young as two. You're not going to see that in Australia, where there are very strict measures for COVID. You don't see that in the UK. You don't see that anywhere in Scandinavia. You don't see that um, in the Netherlands. You really don't see that anywhere because even the WHO says that, you know, you're not supposed to mask kids under the age of five. And yet for some reason in the United States, we have uh, we have pushed it down to babies, babies wearing masks. And some people thankfully are waking up to how ridiculous that is. We already quoted the New Yorker, which is a left-wing uh, the it's a it's a left wing publication that a couple weeks ago came out looked at the CDC study that shows that mask mandates at schools is not making any difference whatsoever um, in the in the lowering the spread of the virus. All right, I'm excited to tell you guys about my first sponsor for the day. That is Carly Jean Los Angeles. This is a clothing company, a capsule clothing company that's based in Los Angeles that I know a lot of you are familiar with. And this company is near and dear to my heart because um, Carly Jean is a wonderful person with wonderful values that I personally love to support. And she also supports this show. And, you know, I've been super disappointed over the past couple of weeks as there's been so much propaganda and pushback against the Texas abortion law that some of my favorite clothing companies have come out uh, publicly in favor of abortion. And it's really made me think a little bit harder about where I am buying my Clothes from. And knowing that Carly Jean Los Angeles is a company that is not going to support abortion and Planned Parenthood, that we share a lot of the same values, really makes me feel good about spending my money there. They're an awesome company. And not only are they wonderful in that sense, but they also make amazing clothes. Their clothing is classic, it's timeless, it's meant to live life with you while transitioning into every stage of life. And I mean that literally. I wore their clothes when I was pregnant. I'm still able to wear them now because they're just that transitional. They're easy to wear. I am a very simple gal with very simple style. If you watch on YouTube, you've probably noticed I'm not, you know, flashy like a lot of patterns or anything like that. So Carly Jean Los Angeles really is right up my alley. And plus shopping can just be a hassle. And I don't have to worry about that with them. All those hours that you spend trying to sift through the, you know, thousands of pages of clothes on a department store Website, You don't have to do that anymore. You can spend that time with your family because Carly Jean Los Angeles makes shopping super simple. They're more than just clothes. They've got home decor, and they've got all different kinds of accessories that you can check out uh, by going to carlyjeanlosangeles.com. If you use my promo code Allie, A-L-L-I-E, you'll save 20% off anything in their online store. That's promo code Allie to save 20% off anything in their online store. That's Carly Jean Los Angeles com. You can also check them out on Instagram, Carly Jean, Los angeles.com promo code Alley. There was another article in The Atlantic, which I would say is center left. I think it sometimes it has some, you know, it allows for more conservative takes on things, but I certainly would not call it a conservative, outlet and they had a uh, an article run on September 2nd by Vinay Prasad that says the downsides of masking young students are real. It goes through what we've already talked about, that we really aren't seeing kids get sicker from the Delta variant than from the original variant. And says this, no scientific consensus exists about the wisdom of mandatory masking rules for school children. The World Health Organization, as we already stated, which recommends that children 12 and older wear masks under the same circumstances that adults do, specifically advises against masking kids age five and younger. Many European nations have been taking the agency's advice But for some reason, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC here in the United States calls for kids age two and up to wear a mask. And as the author of the New York Magazine um, article noted, that author tried to reach out to the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics asking, hey, what's your data? Like, what's your science behind kids two years old wearing masks? And they didn't respond. They sent some you know, some PDF about, oh, well, you know, kids can't get the vaccine yet, and so they need to wear masks. I don't understand the motivation behind this if it's not science. Is it really just some sociopathic need for control? I truly can't relate to that. I'm talking to my husband about that. People who just want control, who just want power – for the sake of having power and for the sake of having control over other people's lives. First of all, that's a telltale sign of an abuser. I'm talking about these bureaucrats, sociopaths who just want power for the sake of power. I just can't relate to that. That's why one reason why I find it so ridiculous when people say, oh, pro-lifers just want power over women's choices. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't care what you do as long as you're not killing a child. Yeah, then I care. I feel an obligation to speak up for the voiceless but i truly don't understand what could be the motivation behind if it's not science two-year-olds wearing masks against all reason against all data that we have unless it's just this sick obsession with controlling people i really don't understand and i do think that there is this kind of uh propaganda push it's a little subliminal right now uh for, they're making the preliminary case that children should also be forced to be vaccinated. And so they're talking about pediatric hospitalizations, leaving out the context uh, context of why kids are actually being hospitalized. They're talking about COVID cases rising among students. And they're talking about the masks. And they're also talking about how the people who are unvaccinated are Um, harming the kids under the age of 12 who haven't been vaccinated yet, when again, that just doesn't make sense. They're really not at risk. Statistically, they're not at risk of getting serious cases of COVID and dying from COVID. Really, Uh, like I said, they are less likely to die from COVID than the fully vaccinated person over the age of 30. So this idea that those who are not vaccinated are the ones that are hurting those who are vaccinated, it really just doesn't make sense knowing, knowing what we know. If the vaccine is effective at all, even if it's losing some efficacy, if it is effective the way that we've been told that it's effective to prevent you from getting seriously ill. Um, but if you can still get COVID and you can still spread COVID if you're vaccinated, then number one, how do you know that it's the unvaccinated getting people sick if you can still get and spread COVID? And number two, why do you care? If the vaccine works, then why do people who are vaccinated, if I'm vaccinated, why do I care if you give me COVID? Because if I believe that my vaccine works, then I shouldn't care whether or not you choose to get vaccinated or not. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's all used as this political bludgeon against people that uh, you disagree with and people that you want to try to demonize. And yet, as we have mentioned many times, um, this is not, I know the New York Times and CNN, they want you to think that it's only, you know, white evangelical Trump supporters who are not getting the vaccine. And yes, I think that probably makes up a good proportion of people not getting the vaccine, but the lowest vaccination rate that we have by race is they're they're black Americans. And I'm not condemning that at all. I think it's your choice. But people should probably keep in mind when you're talking about the unvaccinated being scum and not being able to get the health care that they need if they get sick and not being allowed into certain spaces. As, for example, journalist Max Boot has argued for that everyone needs a smartphone with their vaccination um, status on an app on it. Like you are talking about disproportionately discriminating against black Americans because disproportionately they're unvaccinated. That's just that's just the truth. And here's one trick that I have seen the media do when they're talking about um Vaccination rate. So they'll go through all of the races to say who has not been vaccinated. And the only subcategory that they will use is white evangelicals. So they won't talk about the subcategory of Asian evangelicals or black evangelicals. They'll say, okay, here's the vaccination rate amongst Asians, which is, by the way, highest of group in the country, by the way. Here's the vaccination rate among um, Hispanic people. Here's the vaccination rate among Black people. Here's the vaccination rate among white evangelicals. Why white evangelicals? Um, because it helps them make their case, because I guess there is a greater proportion of white evangelicals who haven't been vaccinated than Black Americans as a whole. And so, again, you see how this is just used, As a political tool. And it's really just, it's such a shame that all of this is being politicized, that some people won't let go of the so called mitigation measures because it has become a measure of holiness. For And it's become a way to tell other people that they really love their neighbor, that they're really compassionate, and that other people who don't wear two masks and don't get three vaccines and don't keep their kids home from school and don't double mask their two-year-old are unholy. It's really such a shame that we have um, allowed these things to become symbols of virtue. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take any measures or that you shouldn't personally take any measures. You might feel compelled to get a third vaccine and that's all well and good, but you don't get to use that to call the rest of the country bad or stupid or selfish when the data just isn't there to say that those things are the only way to stop the spread of the virus and to try to encroach on other people's liberty. Other people can read too. Like other people can look at data. I'm not saying that people should just rely on their own hunches when it comes to public health, but other people can look at scientific data, can look at the studies, can listen to doctors on the ground and make their own decisions. And if you're not allowing for people to have liberty um, in that way, then I have to question whether or not you really care about liberty at all. And I certainly think that for some people who want to put the strictest restrictions on people in the name of public health, truly don't care about liberty, not just in the United States, but also around the world. All right. That was just a random Monologue that I wanted to get off my chest. But we're going to talk to Steve Dace again about this bombshell from The Intercept. And he's got a lot to say, as usual. It's going to blow your mind. Without further ado, here is Steve Dace. Steve, thank you so much for joining us again. Every episode that you are on of Relatable, people rave about. They're always some of (laughs) our most popular episodes. So thank you so much for... Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for talking about this. Uh, I just want to hear your whole take on the Big Intercept story and what it all means.
1: Well, I think the first thing we have to do is set the context of who The Intercept is. I mean, The, the Intercept, Politico accused The Intercept back in 2019 of, start, of trying to start a, a Democratic civil war. Uh, it's, it's kind of known for attacking the Democratic Party from the left. Uh, it's an uber-progressive site. One of its co-founders is a uh, sort of an Andrew Sullivan type of gay activist named Glenn Greenwald. Uh, he ended up uh, resigning from his own publication back in 2019, I think it was, uh, because uh, they just they didn't want to print the truth about stuff. Just Democratic Party. Uh, Propaganda, and so uh, now you see him on Tucker Carlson uh, on a regular basis. So that so this is not a right wing publication, Ali. I would guess in you and I's combined careers, the amount of times we have affirmatively cited The Intercept as uh, an entity to uh, to base any of our show content off, we can probably count on all of our uh, single uh, hand digits here uh, appendages. So it's it's not something we typically go to. This is from the other side. And what they found uh, through a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, what they found through over 900 documents is that it's very clear that uh, Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins, head of the NIH and NIAID, that they, through a company called EcoHealth, directly funded gang of function research that was occurring not just at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but at a third previously unknown lab where this was taking place specifically to inject mice with bat coronavirus viruses in order to find out what would cause these things to spill over. That's a term I use in Fauci and Bargain when we talked about the Wuhan lab and we wrote this book. It came out six months ago. It wasn't just the gain of function research. Everybody's focused on that term, Allie, but it's the purpose of it. All right. They were specifically provoking bat coronaviruses to find out what would cause them to mutate into humans. They wanted to know this. So it's not just a dangerous methodology, but the purpose of it is, Well, and I think the best analogy that I can give is it's it's a little bit like not just testing an atom bomb on Bikini Island back in the 40s, but but actually leaving the people on the island in order to find out, hey, what would cause radiation sickness and poisoning? Because remember this, more people live in Wuhan, China than live in all of Israel or all of Sweden. It is more populated than the state of Michigan. And that's just the city of Wuhan. And yet they were conducting these experiments so dangerous in a lab in such a heavily, densely populated area.
0: And Dr. Fauci lied about this, it seems like, before Congress, correct?
1: I don't see how there's any possible doubt that he is guilty of lying in perjury to Congress, uh, given the information that is in The Intercept. The only way I would see that this would not be the case is if they just um, manufactured these 900 documents, specifically the two, or the ones that implicate the two agencies that he's a part of. Remember, NIH oversees Fauci's organization, NIAID.
0: Gotcha, and is anything going to happen to Dr. Fauci? Will he actually be held to account for this, do you think?
1: Well, I mean, this is the same thing we saw, whether it's uh, the Brett Kavanaugh hoax, the Russian collusion hoax. And I say this to my audience all the time, Allie. We are not a nation of laws and we never have been. We are a nation of political will and we always will be. Does anyone have the will to do something about this and ultimately that's you know that comes down to not just when democrats are in control but you know we watched uh, a supreme court justice's character absolutely slammed and smeared with no evidence whatsoever and even under the previous republican president Julie Swetnick, who went on national TV and accused Brett Kavanaugh of being a marauding gang rapist. She's still out walking the streets free as a bird, just as you and I are, at least as free as you can be in COVID stand. So ultimately, that comes down to a question of political will.
0: Right. And I think that the political will or at least... Some Republicans are asserting to have the political will, but it does make you question, like, how deep does this corruption and secrecy really go? How many people knew about this funding of the gain of function research just didn't say anything about it? I mean, Is the bureaucracy just out to protect the bureaucracy, no matter whether they have an R or a D by them by their name? Is it really the people against the system or are there some people in charge who actually care enough to push for accountability?
1: I think the answer to that question is clearly yes. The fact that a lot of regime or state approved media has completely ignored this report from a, a very left wing publication. Um, I, I think that just answers your question uh, as well. Uh, the fact that he faced no questions from uh, any legacy talking about uh, talking about Anthony Fauci from any legacy media apparatus that I'm aware of yesterday during the news cycle, I think answers that that question. Keep in mind, here's what's fascinating about this, and I, I think this needs to be hammered home to audiences like you and like yours and mine. This is not you know, the virus doesn't care how you voted. Three of the top four states for deaths in America are governed by Democrats, 11 of the top 20 states for deaths in America by COVID, are governed by Republicans. It doesn't care. Politicizing this doesn't matter. People are suffering right and left, both from the virus, but then also from uh, the the mitigation efforts and the backside impact of those, like depression and suicides. Uh, again, the tragedy doesn't care uh, what, what your political stance is. And the fact is that of the two of uh, the, the two major media entities that have provided us the greatest and most thorough glimpse of the true origins of the virus are both from the left. It was Vanity Fair earlier this year and now from the intercept. And yet still, and this is why I don't think things are just as simple anymore as our right-left paradigm that we're Mm -hmm. used to. This is what you just said. It's really the system and what I call a spirit of the age and a certain narrative versus really the people of Western civilization. And that's why you're seeing certain things, even if they come from the left. I mean, right now, the Biden administration is drowning in its COVID policy. Uh, Tomorrow, it plans on launching a new initiative for how to confront Delta variant, in in a normal political environment, they would have blamed their lack of success and the the waning efficacy of these vaccines from what we saw in the human trials. They would have found a scapegoat. They would have used a story like The Intercept to blame it on Anthony Fauci. They'd have thrown him under the bus by now in order to save their own political hides, brought somebody else in who was newer and shinier and started over. That's what a Bill Clinton would have done. That's what a lot of politicians would have done up until this most recent era where it's very clear that something is happening in our culture beyond a normal po- the normal ebbs and flows of politics this is cosmic this is spiritual and i think that, that that you can see that even when people will not act in their own political self-interest something else is occurring here
0: Right. my second sponsor for today is ExpressVPN. This is a product that I use on a daily basis because I care about my online privacy. Just think about everything you've browsed, you've searched for, you've watched or tweeted. Now imagine, All of that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record, your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something that only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everything that everyone does is online everyone is basically a public figure and third parties can buy your data to try to sell you products any kind of free service that you use online is not really free because you are the product there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data one of the data points that they try to get is your IP address so they harvest or the data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location but But ExpressVPN takes care of that for you. Your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. So you're given a random IP address uh, shared by other ExpressVPN customers that makes it very difficult for third parties to identify you and harvest your data. All you have to do is you create your account, you download the app, and your account works on up to five devices. So you know you and your spouse and your uh, teenagers don't have to get a bunch of different subscriptions. You just get one app. Everyone can download the app on their devices, and you are protected. So if you believe, like me, that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash You'll get three extra months for free when you do. That's expressvpn.com slash Allie, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash It's very strange how many different levels there are to this. And some of them seem specific to America. Some of them don't. Obviously, we've seen draconian lockdowns elsewhere, especially in Australia. And yet, Australia is a little strange because at the same time, we've seen Australian news outlets actually try to dig into the origins of coronavirus in the way that the mainstream media here in the United States simply have not. Um And yet, at the same time, they are basically reverting back to their original police state by locking Mm -hmm. people down because of, you know, one case or one death. And then also... They are not forcing kids under the age of 12 to wear masks. They are following the <laughs> yeah. WHO's guidance on that. And yet here in the United States, two-year-olds are supposed to wear masks. And so actually, it seems like even though there are some states in the U.S. that have allowed some freedom for their for their citizens, Um, it really seems like a lot of the confusion, a lot of the politicization of all of this, a lot of the just lack of logic and correlation to any real data is specific to the U.S. And it reminds me of something that you said. I talked to you on the show after January 6th, and I remember you saying that there is something strange going on in this country. And the minds of a lot of people in this country, they just don't want to know the truth. Like they just don't mm. want to see the truth about things. Mm-hmm. And I just that stuck with me because I think it's true. What, what do you think that is? Why do you think so many people are afraid of of looking at what's happening in the United States, especially as it comes to the kinds of policies and the terrible reporting that we've seen surrounding all of this?
1: Let me just put a finer point on, on the fine point that you just made. When If I want to get data for vaccinated versus unvaccinated, for example, I got to go to Is- the Israeli dashboard and translate Hebrew. I have to go to the United Kingdom dashboard. I, I can't get that. Uh, from my own CDC here in the United States. Uh, Most states won't even let you go on their own Department of Health dashboards and let us know what that data indicates. Mm. A few do, like Oregon, uh, and what they're showing is about one out of four hospitalizations are unvaccinated. But over and over again, I've had to, over the last 18 months now, of going down this COVID stand rabbit hole, I've had to use countries like Denmark and others to actually get real data that I have not been able to get uh, from my own country. At least not at the same speed that other countries are offering it. And I think the greatest example of what you're talking about is Sweden. You know, it was it was not maybe 10, 15 years ago, early in my career, moving from sports to politics. I did a debate in Wichita, Kansas. This was during the Occupy movement. And I debated an occupier. And his entire point was he wanted America to be more like Sweden. My whole career in this business, I've heard lefty say Sweden is what America needs to be more right. like. <laughs> and now you can't, you can't get a lot of these people to acknowledge, at least ones in the, in, that work in legacy media, it's like Sweden does not exist. Sweden has reported a total of 42 COVID deaths this summer. right? The whole summer. That's what they've reported. And it's the least massed country in Europe. They are undergoing a vaccination surge right now, but they're barely over 50% of their population vaccinated. They never did mass lockdowns last year, as everyone knows, like the rest of the world did. And so I really believe, and I used a phrase earlier here with you, and it's one I use on my program frequently. I believe that you're seeing a spirit of the age at work. And mm-hmm. this level of deception, this level of double-mindedness, where you walk into a room and and when a, when a room is chloroformed, you can't breathe. It has no oxygen. And that's really what's happened to the truth in our culture. It's been chloroformed. It's like absent. We're not immoral either. We're like amoral. It's like absent any standards, absent any objective reasoning or truths. To me, that's all demonic. And, and I use the phrase spirit of the age as sort of a a colloquialism to kind of describe basically the physical manifestation of what I really believe is the demonic intrusion and invasion of our culture.
0: And people, I guess, how do you, the question is, how do you know when you're being deceived? You don't, that's the nature of deception, but even trying to wake people up by saying, you know, for example, I went back and forth with a a pediatrician who listens to the show, very kind woman who was upset when I was talking about the different studies that show that, hey, kids don't really need to be wearing masks. And a bunch of our peer countries don't force kids to wear masks. The WHO, which I think is a corrupt organization, even says that kids under five should absolutely not be wearing masks. And, you know, here's the data. Let's look at the different, um, you know, the the different statistics supporting this assertion that kids shouldn't wear masks. Masks, and you know, she came to me, and she was very upset about this. And so I said, "Okay, what contrary data, kind of, do you have? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have to support your argument that kids as young as two should be wearing masks?" This is someone who is a Christian, a conservative, um, and she did not have any. What she kept on coming back with is, "Well." Um, you know, kids are getting it or kids can spread it to older people. And I kept on trying to go back to, okay, but what does that have to say about masks? Are you telling me that you've seen data that masks work? And she just kept avoiding the question. And what I realized is that people who accepted at the very beginning that Everyone has to be masked. They cannot let that go um, because mm-hmm. it's just become a part of some people's worldview. It's become for some people a religion, an outward sign of their virtue. That it does not matter. It doesn't matter how much data you show them, especially now when it pertains to the vaccines. That's another tier of holiness that people feel like they have accomplished, and they can use to bludgeon, um, you know, the unholy people who don't get the vaccine. They won't let it go, and that's what I fear. That this is truly never ending because like religious zealots, we've got about half of the country that is clinging to this stuff and no data can change their mind.
1: What you just described, to use an old fashioned stained glass window term, that's classic idolatry. Right. If you walked into this pediatrician's office and demanded that um, she remove the spleen of your child and, and said that the spleen and pointed to your child's arm and said, hey, my child has a really bad sore on their arm. That's their spleen. Remove the spleen from their arm. She would say, uh, ma'am, sir, your child's spleen is not in their arm. You don't know what you're talking about. She she, She would maybe take you to an anatomy book. She would show you an objective framework to prove to you that your psychosis, your fear is not rational, is not backed by any reason, science, or data, that your child doesn't need their spleen removed because they have a sore on their arm, right? That's, that's what she would do in another context. And yet, when it comes to this symbol, this talisman she reverts to a form of humanistic emotion driven dogma sentiment that isn't backed by any of that objective information whatsoever it, it's the same thing you get when you this is why i said earlier the the traditional Venn diagram here doesn't add up because i used to go after um you know lefty physicians that would come on my local show back in the day and argue for abortion and and they would say and i would say well how do you know when life begins and they had no answer for me. And I said, how come when you walk into an OR, you accept objective truth? You understand that you cannot operate on the patient based on what you think the patient's anatomy is, but instead what the anatomy actually is. And if you act on your own instinct as opposed to objective truth, you're going to kill someone and be sued out of business. But when I ask you a point blank question, is a being with a heartbeat, is that person alive? You can't answer that when there's no more objective standard for determining life or death of a human on this planet than the existence of a heartbeat. It's because there's idolatry that there. And there mm-hmm. is no objective reason or data that you can get to reason with people. That ultimately is a spiritual problem. And a lot of our people are in the grips of this. They don't want to let this go. This has provided a form of meaning. It also shows, hey, was I had, was I fooled by something? That's, this is the, the amount of idolatry that is at work and at stake here. It's, it is absolutely breathtaking. And when mm-hmm. it comes to kids, let me throw this stat at your audience. This will blow your minds, okay? Last month, CDC reported a little over 400 children had died so far. A little over 400 minors had died so far with COVID. And now keep in mind, that just means that when they died, they tested positive for COVID. Doesn't mean it was the underlying cause mm-hmm. of their death, but we'll count them. Over Just a little over 400 children died. About a week later, NASA announced that a meteor There was the the, the, the odds of a meteor uh, coming to Earth and and creating an extinction-level event in the year 2300. I ran the math on this. Now, this is data from two government organizations, all right? There is, Allie, 12,000% high odds higher that a meteor will strike the earth and, it, and create an extinction-level event in the year 2300, according to NASA. <laughs> then there is a child in America will die with COVID, according to CDC. 12,000% odds higher. 12,000%. The data here, This and when you point this out to people, their reactions all too often demonstrate right away, it's a, it's, it's, a it's a winnowing fork. You know right away who is still open for business when it comes to reason and data, and then who is closed off because of idolatry. Right before you and I began taping, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., noted leftist, said that at this point, if we continue on with COVID, Stan, we're going to kill all critical thinking in America. And I thought to myself, I cannot believe this. I've, I've lived long enough to see everything. when and was State are going to both be ranked top 10 teams on Saturday. Never thought I'd see that in my home state. <laughs> and now I'm like, amen to RFK Jr. But that is, that's where we are right now. Uh,
0: yeah. And that's surprising, you know, not just on, on politics. He says several things I, I would say that probably you disagree with and I disagree with. But anyone who says that critical thinking um, is going to die either a slow or a swift death is absolutely true. That pronouncement is true. Right. Last sponsor for the day. This is a wonderful sponsor, and that is Prayer Bowls. So you guys have all experienced that moment when you promise to pray for someone or you think about praying for something, but maybe you're in the middle of something else and you forget to pray about it. Well, Prayer Bowls exist. So you actually remember to pray for the things that you intend to pray about. They have these wonderful handmade ceramic or wooden bowls. They're either made in the United States or Portugal or Poland and they're all truly beautiful and really, really well made. And All of the bowls come with these little paper cards that you write down your prayer intentions on. You put them in a bowl. You put the bowl in a place where you pass by regularly. And when you pass by, you pick out your little prayer intention. And that reminds you to actually pray for the things that you said that you were going to pray for. It's important for us to keep our intentions, to keep our promises, especially when it comes to prayer. The book of James says that the prayers of a righteous person have great power. It's such a wonderful thing to consider that when we pray, it's actually doing something, not just in our obedience to God, but it actually has an effect. That's such a wonderful grace that we have been given by the God of the universe. So I love what prayer bowl represents. I love their mission, and I love what they actually do. I have a prayer bowl in my house. I've got the cherry wood Noah. It's one of their most popular bowls. I didn't even realize that when I picked it out. I saw it, and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. It goes with the decor in my house, and I really, I, I love it. It just, it looks so good, and it really does remind me to pray for the things that I want to pray for. So this would make a great gift either to yourself or um, other people in your life. If you order today, you'll get a set of scripture cards for free with the offer code Allie. Uh, So order today, get a set of scripture cards for free with the offer code Allie when you go to prayerbowls.com. That's prayerbowls.com. There are a lot of things that I want to keep talking to you about, but with the limited time that we have left, I'm wondering, based on the data that we have, especially, like you said, data coming out of Israel that shows that natural immunity is much better, much stronger than the immunity that we are seeing from the vaccine, knowing that bit of information and knowing what you know about theology, I would love to hear your reaction to David French's article from a couple (laughs) weeks ago that says, you know, if you don't get the vaccine, you are not loving your neighbor. You are selfish. And I think basically came out in favor of at least employer level vaccine mandates. What's your take on that?
1: I, I make it a just a policy in general to mute, ignore and tune out anyone who makes a, a moral liberty based case for mentally ill men dressing as women. And, uh, and and grabbing stripper poles in front of children and twerking in front of them at a public library okay, or a public me, setting. Let
0: me let me specify okay. that really fast so people know what you're talking about. What he is talking about is David French, and I brought this up to David French as well. He said a couple of years ago, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, that basically the fact that a drag queen can do drag queen story hour in a library is... Um, a blessing of liberty, but they just something we
1: have to accept. Yes. Yes. We just have to accept that contribution to delinquency of our minors. We just have to accept that. I I think there's just some things you say or do in life that until you acknowledge their repugnancy and make amends for them, you just become automatically disqualified for being taken seriously and I think that is one of them. Now, if someone in general who hasn't made such an asinine and absurd claim has a question along those lines, this would be my answer. If you look at the 10—first com- of all, the first commandment, all right, is to love the Lord your—the the greatest commandment, Jesus says, is Lord love the Lord your God while your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that comes first. In order to do that, how do I do that? Well, a key component of that is faithful obedience. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord. If you do not do what I say, if you look at the commandments, they include things like don't bear false witness. Um, they include things like don't turn, don't fashion false gods. All right. The vaccines do still, even and in, in their waning efficacy, I'm confident enough to say that it will lessen the risk of you if you get it. You, you yourself, you yourself, of contracting a severe reaction to COVID, nowhere near what they promised us in in the human trials last year. But I still say, particularly if you have no natural immunity, meaning you've not had it before and recovered, that you would be given additional benefit. However, we have, we have Ali in the month of August, we had four million, or I'm sorry, three million more cases in the United States for COVID than we had last August. Did you hear me right on that? Mm-hmm. Three million more cases. This August than last August. CDC director herself admits Rochelle Walensky that they do not provide efficacy, transmission efficacy any longer, meaning you're not really doing much of anything, getting vaccinated and stopping you from spreading it to someone else. Therefore, this whole idea of of loving my neighbor as I love myself. That is not what these these are therapeutics. They are not magical elixirs that immunize you against transmission. All the data real time shows this our own CDC director is admitting this. Israel is seeing its greatest case explosion ever and over about 80% of everyone over the age of 16 has been fully vaccinated with two doses of Pfizer in the nation of Israel. So even what he's asserting from a premise standpoint doesn't line up with data. He and others who make this claim are breaking the commandment against bearing false witness. They are claiming something in the public square that is clearly not true. And, And then you have to question the motivation for doing so. And one could just be they're just deceived or deceivers themselves. The other could be they have turned this process of looking virtuous or the vaccines or the masks into their own, they fashion them into their own idols. And if that is the case, then they have actually broken the second commandment, not to worship false gods. So do this for me. I think this is a simple thing we could all agree to. Make sure you yourself are not currently breaking any of God's commandments before you start giving other people advice on how to honor God.
0: Mm -hmm. That would be uh, the whole log in your own eye, speck in the other person's eye principle. Well, I hate to end there. There's so many other things I could ask you, but thank you once again for breaking down things for us so clearly and in such a compelling way. Everyone needs to go out uh, and buy your book, The Fauci and Bargain. You're coming out with another book. You write books like every three months, it seems like. Um, <laughs> and check out your show, The Steve Days Show.
1: Thank you, Allie. Always good to see you.
0: Thank you.